Well, it's good to be with you here this morning. I've had a a couple weeks off as we've had a number of different guest speakers, and so it's fun to be back in front of uh, the church, and so grateful for those who have filled in and filled the gap there. Well, you can see in your bulletin, we have a unique title for this message, Single and Grateful. I was given that topic and thinking about that, and it's a lot of times not talked a lot about in our church or church world in general is about singleness and that being such a major reality in our world. And so as I've spent the last couple weeks researching this, the more I dove in, the more I've realized what an important topic this is for all of us to engage in. What a critical thing for the church to get this right and to understand God's heart for singleness and what that looks like. And really, in in my research, I was stumbling upon a message that I heard from Tony Evans. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of hearing Tony Evans speak. And he had a story that I really thought captured where I'd like us to head this morning. But then as I was trying to play that through my mind and retelling it, I'm like, I can't tell that story like Tony Evans. And so maybe this is weird in church world to do this, to play another preacher's story. But I'm going to have you guys listen to Tony Evans tell this brief story about singleness. Take a listen. A lady had a furniture store, and in her furniture store, she had a few antique items. One was a large table that sat in the middle of the furniture store. She decided that she was going to sell the antique table that had a lot of worth and value to it, but she slashed the price down to $400 in order to sell it. A gentleman came into the store and he saw this beautiful antique table and as you often try to do he tried to get it at a reduced price from the 400 she had set it at he said i'll pay you 300 dollars for that table she says no i i can't sell it below 400 dollars he said but if, if you're willing to sell it for 400 i'm sure you can let it go for 300 She says, I don't think you understand. This table's worth a thousand. So for me to sell it for 400 is already a big break. I can't go below 400. I can't sell it to you for $300. He went on and on. No, you don't understand. I see a scratch on that table. I think you can get it down to $300. She said, I'm sorry, I can't sell it below four. He said, now, I'm getting ready to leave, but before I leave, I want you to think about it. And I want you to really think hard. Will you sell me this? Will you think about selling me this table for $300? Just think about it for a minute. She paused. She thought. She said, okay, I have thought about it, and I I will change my price. The table is now $600. He said, $600? Wait a minute. You just lowered it to four. I'm asking for three. And now you bump it up to six? She said, yes. She said, because the longer we talked about it, the more I understood it was worth. Every time I kept telling myself it was worth a thousand, It got bumped up 50 more dollars. So the more you talk, the more value I felt. And the more value I felt, the higher price I was willing to put on it. So he had to pay $600 to get a table that he was ignoring for $400 
because this lady was reminded of its value. See, we have far too many single Christians who don't know their value. And so they're willing to reduce their value price and go cheap. When if they thought about it long enough and hard enough and more biblically, they would understand that God's view of singlehood is a lot different than the value that's been placed on it both by the world and unfortunately I confess by the church you can see why I had him tell that story rather than me there's certain things that uh, emphasis that he was able to put on that and I think that captures really well for my heart for this morning is that we would grow just as a community as a church and our understanding and value that we place on both aspects for on on marriage as well as singleness, not one being a second-class citizen and one being a superior, but realizing that God values both. And so my hope and prayer this morning is that we grow on our understanding of God's heart about singleness. I would uh, want to make sure that I address, though, the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room, what I would propose is this, is that the single people in this room may be thinking along this line. What does this guy that's been married for 15 years with three young kids have to say to me about singleness? So maybe that's one of the issues. So we'll address that in a second. Second group of folks, those that are married are saying, ah, oh, finally, I get a week off. I can just relax. He's been nice enough to talk to the single folks. And so here what I'd propose is two things for the single person. It's not my opinion on singleness. We're going to be diving into God's word and see what our maker, our creator, his design is, what his heart and his, and his intent is. And so be assured in that, that we're not just looking at my opinion, which is hopefully encouraging to you. For those of you that are married, I ask this question, how many of you interact with single people on a regular basis. How many, in fact, in our populations, the latest poll says that 46% of adults in America are single. So for us to neglect that in a series about family and relationships would be, I think, a crime for us to miss that. So one, we interact with them. Two, so often, even within our own families, we have to deal with a single child, with a single adult child. There, there's a, a lot of things that we wanna make sure we're passing on a biblical understanding. Not to mention, I, I know, even for me, even with little kids, uh, it, it's might, maybe not a topic now, but guess what? It's on the horizon. I'm already ensuring that my both daughters know that they're not going to be dating for a very long time. <laughs> and so, so it's a relevant topic even on the horizon for many of us. And then how about this one? For those of you that are married, and this isn't to be, mean to be uh, discouraging, but most often a married couple doesn't pass away at the same time. And so the reality is, right now, you might not be single, but it might be on the horizon for many of us because it doesn't always play out perfectly as that works out. So this topic, my point being, is relevant for each and every one of us to have a biblical framework for a, a appropriate understanding for singleness. And that's what I'm gonna pray toward this morning if you join me. Dear Lord, we invite you now to speak to us through this text. We thank you that your word is relevant for every topic, from everything that we work through and understand. I want us to have a biblical 
perspective on this. As with every area of life, God, I pray that you'd teach us, that I'd be out of the way, that you'd speak to us directly, that you'd be an encouragement this morning for those of us that maybe are single, maybe even wrestling through that, that you meet us exactly where we're at. We thank you for being so practical and so relevant to us. And even as that song's sung, that you know us intimately and want to speak into our lives. Thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7 this morning. So if you want to start turning your Bibles or phones to that, uh, that would be great. If you don't own a Bible, the nice thing is we have one in the chair in front of you. If you actually literally don't own a Bible, you can take that one home with you as a gift from our church. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7, and it's a lot easier if you're looking at it yourself to make sense about what we're talking about today. In 1 Corinthians 7, he has a, long, a lot of uh, uh, talk about both married, marriage and un, those unmarried. And in the first section, we discover a little bit of uh, what, what we're dealing with. This is Paul speaking, and he's talking to this young infant church that's living in a very pagan culture. And he's speaking to them. And that's why it says in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote... So basically, this young church obviously had some questions about marriage and singleness and how that all was supposed to work, and this is his response to that. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like listening in on one side of a phone conversation. We're going to catch the side. Have you ever done that before? Listen to somebody talking, and you're like, what exactly are they saying? But hopefully, as we walk through this, we'll have some clearer understanding Thinking along that line, I thought of a, a funny story and I couldn't resist sharing this with you. My, my friend David was telling me, th speaking of phone conversations, how he was in a, a men's bathroom at the church and uh, the, actually at the time that he was working at, and in that, that men's bathroom, not to be crass, but there's kind of a, the setup, if ladies, you've never been in one, there's usually a, a urinal, and then a, kind of a dividing wall, and then the regular traditional toilet. So he was standing at the urinal, not to give too many visuals here, uh, taking care of uh, what we do at a urinal, and, uh, and he heard the person in the stall next to him say, hey, how's it going? And he had that moment for a second. He's at church where he knows a lot of people. Maybe somebody saw him come in. And he decides to, all right, even though this is breaking men's rule of not talking in bathrooms, uh, I'll engage. So, uh, good. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Having a great day, the other side said. He continues in the conversation, kind of thinking this is awkward, but not wanting to be non-social. So the next question is, so what are you up to today? And David's like, well, I'm getting some housework done, continuing some stuff. So he keeps this conversation going. Literally, he, as he tells the story, it was like a minute or two that they're talking. And so as he's, he's washing his hands afterwards, he's real interested to see who comes out of the stall and who he's been dialoguing with. Sees to his horror as the man comes out, the man's on his cell phone and says, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and so he's left there to realize that he was hearing one side of the phone conversation and thinking he was a part of it. So here the, this morning, the hope is that we're okay being on the other side of the conversation. And this, this is a loose tie-in, excuse to, <laughs> excuse to tell that story. But, uh, but, but the hope is, is that as we listen in to Paul, as he's talking to this young church, 
that there's a lot that we can gleam from him and what I would say is divine inspired comments or commentary on singleness. So let's dive in. We're gonna look at verse 25, so a little bit later in the chapter, to the conversation as we listen in. It says this. Now concerning the betrothed, that would be like engaged, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the, Lord, the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. That's good news. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. <laughs> Interesting text. So let's break that down a little bit. Basically, this morning, we're going to be in three different sections with kind of a main idea from each. The main idea I want to point to in this first section, you'll see on the screen there, is singleness and marriage are both good. Singleness and marriage are both good. Let me explain a little bit of that. First, you'll notice that he says, just because he says that it's not commanded of the Lord doesn't take away the fact that these are, as I mentioned, inspired words from the Lord. That just means that Jesus may not have spoken on this topic specifically. However, Paul, as if he needs to, is trying to say, listen, I'm a, I'm a trustworthy source. I think that's kind of funny, thinking of Paul making that appeal. And what does he say as he's, as he starts the conversation? He says, in view of this present distress, in other words, acknowledging, as most of you know about the early church, I mean, they were under some serious persecution. Making the choice to follow Christ had a little bit more weight and a little bit more potential consequence in that day and age than it does now. And so they're maybe forecasting that it was currently bad, but as we know from church history, things were about to get a lot worse. They were about to be under the, the Roman rule of Nero, who was actually to be known as probably the most cruel and sadistic man of all time in leadership that was committed to destroying Christians. You hear some of the horror stories of what he put Christians through. So here he's saying to the, this young church, saying, listen, based on what's currently, how it's currently bad, and it's gonna get even worse, I think it's best that you stay where you're at. In other words, stay put because both singleness and marriage, they're both good. It's fine. Either, either one is fine. And this and that time, you imagine that was pretty much going against the cultural norm. And the, the culture has said, man, for someone to be single or widowed or without kids, like that was considered like a second class citizen. So for them as a young church reading this, when they hear that saying, hey, it's, it's okay. If you're single, just stay like that. It's okay. You don't need to pursue something else. Both are good. If we're honest today, still in our culture, we have that same tendency to kind of think of, if we're not careful, to think of someone that's single as more like helping them cope with that. Well, I'm sure sorry that you're going through that as if singleness is something you, you picked up like a disease, like, oh, I, I wanna help you work through that. I'm so sorry. And this is saying, no, 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 no. You're missing the point if that's your view of singleness. 
We see it, unfortunately, come out so often in some of the dumb things that we as married say to single people. Now, I was reading this article this past week of this, this woman had, that had collected her 10 most hated statements that people say to her in her singleness. I captured just a couple of them. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't a guilt trip if you've maybe said one of these statements before. This is just pointing out some of the, the uh, I'd say, some of the silly things we say to single people. How about this one? Being single is a blessing. You can use this time to prepare yourself for your future mate. This idea that life is about just preparing yourself, making sure you're good and ready to, for your future mate. Isn't that, I, I don't see that in scripture. I, 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 see, I see in scripture that we're to love God and love people and we've got a calling on our life, the great commission. I'm not seeing singleness as an opportunity to prepare yourself. How about this one that many of us, if we're honest, have said, someday you will make someone very happy as if that's the end goal in mind. You know what, I'm just trying to get ready, so someday, someday I can make somebody happy. Like, really? Really, is that our life goal? Is that really our life ambition? Is those of us that are married, or you're like, yes, I'm finally there, I can make her happy. Like, I've arrived, I can make him happy. This is great news. Some of the silly things that we say, one other I'll point out. As soon as I was okay with being single, my spouse just came along as if contentment is the magic formula for bringing a spouse into, onto the horizon. I'm finally content. Here he comes on the white horse. Like this understanding of singleness as a second-class citizen, I propose is flawed. I propose is a wrong perspective on it. And that's what Paul's point. Our, our marital status has nothing to do with our worth in God's kingdom. It's unrelated to our spirituality. And in fact, in verse seven, a little bit earlier, Paul even says, I wish all were as I am. In other words, he's being, he, as a single man, he's saying, I wish all of you were like this. He's saying, and he describes also in verse seven, he says, he sees it both marriage, and I'm not talking down on marriage, don't hear me say that. He's saying both need to be seen as a gift from God. Both need to be seen as a gift from God. Not, not as if some of us are just like, yeah, that's the gift that nobody wants. I, thought, I was thinking of uh, John Irwin's story around Christmas when he's telling about wanting this guitar and, and finally on Christmas morning, do you remember this story? He opens the guitar case and it was filled with socks and he's like, wait a second. I think some of us see that kind of, a, of, a, of our same perspective on singleness. Yeah, sure, it's a gift with socks inside of it. This idea... But here is what he's saying is this, is we're to delight in wherever God has us, trusting in his sovereignty. We don't need to be like, like flies on a window, some trying to get in, some trying to get out. Like you're, you're, you're missing the point. He's calling us to a life of contentment with where he currently has us. Because the truth is, we can get stuck in the someday mentality, not Sunday, someday. Think about this, like when you're single, you're thinking, someday I'm gonna meet the perfect man or woman. Someday, this, and then when you meet them, oh, it's so nice, we're dating now. Someday, we're gonna get married, then it's gonna be great. 
Then when you're married, someday we're gonna have kids. This is gonna be fantastic. And, and, the, and, and then the ironic thing when you're married after a while, you start saying, remember when we were dating and all the fun things we would do? You know, like it, it kind of comes full circle or when you get in a fight, man, if I was just single again, you know? Like the, the someday is the dangerous place to live where it leaves, if we're honest, a lot of people crippled where they're always looking to the, man, what if? Oh, someday this is gonna happen. Someday my call and my charge is this reminder that Paul is pointing to us that both are good. Both are good. So too, so, so often singles wanna rush out of the status. That's what he's saying. Just stay where you're at. Let God be reigning over your marital status. Let him reign in. Choose currently to be content. Another illustration that I thought was interesting was was, uh, author was pointing out this fact, actually a preacher was pointing out this fact that that 50% of marriages, we've all heard this statistic, 50% of marriages end how? Divorce. Unfortunately, it's a very sad part of our reality, both within the church and outside of the church, almost the same statistics. But here, think about that. He was pointing out as it relates to singleness. If you knew that 50% of planes crashed, think about this for a second, how selective would you be about Frontier Airlines or whatever airlines? Like you would, you, you would really think through before getting on that plane knowing that, wait a second, like half of them crash, are you kidding me? Like the same is true for the single adult, like wait a second, don't just rush because somebody will take you, you have to think through this, this is a huge choice, a huge decision as to who you're gonna be, be with for the rest of your days. Here's the truth and the reality, both single and married presents unique challenges, unique opportunities, and unique rewards. But the truth is that the only one that satisfies is Christ. Love this statement. God proves to be sufficient if we seek fulfillment in him. If we seek to be fulfilled in him, we're not gonna be, you see, a lot of our single issues is just because we're like, okay, this person is gonna meet our needs. And then a lot of our married issues, the same thing. Uh, Don't listen to Jerry Maguire, they don't complete you. They don't complete you. That's not it. The only one that can complete us, don't put the weight on somebody else, the only one that can complete us is Jesus Christ. That's who completes us, and that's the big idea that's so important for us to understand. Because truth is, marriage may solve problems, but guess what? It introduces others. I know some folks in here wanna give an amen right there. You can be Pentecostal for a moment. Like, uh, uh, the truth is, the, 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 the truth is, that, uh, that it, 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 that's the way it works. In, in, in marriage, that there is, there, there's, new, there's new challenges. It, it's not necessarily easy to be married. I think it's interesting the tone that I catch from Paul in his writing here. Like he's like, hey, it's not a sin if you wanna get married. This is coming from a single guy's perspective. What is he, some, some of you are already bound. 
Like, I'm like, that's, ba- that's ball and chain lingo there he's using. And, and, then, and then, then what does he say at the end of that section? Uh, he, he points out that he's like, hey, listen, I want to spare you of the worldly troubles. I'm pointing out the fact, and I don't think because there's other places he talks about how great marriage is, but here just pointing out the fact that it doesn't fix everything. It doesn't solve anything. Both sides, single, married, challenges, oh, oh, be content with where God has you. It's submitting to his reign and his authority in your life. Let's continue because the truth is there's a lot of great uh, uh, purposes that God has in singleness. One of those we'll see in verse 29 is that singleness can help maximize our limited time. Says this, this is what I mean, brothers. The point in time has grown very short. Let's remember that statement. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is what? Passing away. It's gone. It's on its way out. Let's break that down a little bit. Well, if we're honest, that can be a little bit of a confusing section of Scripture. Paul gives some interesting instructions. Let those who have wives live as though they had none. <laughs> some guys here this morning were like, I knew I came to church for a reason. Uh, uh, heralding God's word. Yes, I can support that, and the games are on in a few hours. Like, the truth is... If we're going to understand the, the, the reality of what he's pointing out there, he's pointing out, listen, don't let any of these things, he doesn't just talk about marriage, he points to a number of different things, all these different things that can be a distraction from the main thing. He's not, he's not saying ignore your wife, like don't go home saying, yeah, I read it in scripture, point to that in your next fight. Like, uh, like no, no. The, the, the point being is not to inappropriately elevate all these things. He points to relational drama with the world. He points to business transactions. He points to all these different things that can, that can cripple us and hold us and, and keep us from doing really anything of significance. Because Why? Why does, he, why does he make a big deal about that? Because he says, listen, this world, it's passing away. It's just here a short time. Anybody else feel the weight of that? You blink and you're 40, you blink again, you're 60, you blink again and you're, you're you know what I mean? Like it just goes so quick. It goes so unbelievably quick. So he's saying, don't let those things entrap you from having a kingdom impact because there's a lot at stake right now in the world around us. Any amens to that? Like there's a lot going on, a lot of people that desperately need Jesus Christ. And we have a message. And how cruel would that be to be like, yeah, I'm just keeping it to myself. A couple weeks back, or I guess it's now a month back, I mentioned this, uh, that I was at a, a Dr. Phil screening of this show, which is an interesting experience. It was nice of some friends to take me to that. I remember the, the guest that they had on that day was this, this uh, mother and father and daughter that was in and out of all of these different rehab clinics and just desperate for some good advice. And I remember at the end of the show, it was building, building, what's Dr. Phil going to say? How's he going to solve this? You guys ever watch any of this daytime television? I don't, but uh, this one I was in. I was, I was looking around, everybody was locked in. What advice is he going to give to this poor girl that has, just keeps going back to these addictions and patterns in her, in her, in her life? The end, he's just like, 
uh, everybody's quiet to hear, what's he gonna say, the professional? And he starts explaining to her, all right, you really need to work harder, and you need to try more, you need to dig in from your inner strength and, and find victory over this. And I wanted to stand up and be like, Dr. Phil, tell her the truth. She can't fix this on her own. The only thing that's gonna fix her is Jesus Christ transforming her from the inside out. In fact, I had like three dreams like multiple times after that thing, this is weird, of me standing up in the Dr. Phil show and preaching to that whole group. And so don't invite me back because it might go south next time. So, so anyway, so that was just all my heart and mind, like this, this idea that, man, we're in a world that so desperately needs the truth that we have. If we've embraced Jesus Christ as our Savior, the truth that we have inside of us, so desperate for it. Just yesterday I had, and this is one of the harder parts of my job, I had to do the, uh, the service for Charlotte Beauchet. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet her. She's an older woman in our church, lovely lady, sweet as pie. She passed away this last, this last week. I got to perform the, the service yesterday, and I remember just feeling the weight of it. I mean, there's this little chapel there, the, the urgency of like thinking of like, Man, I've got this collection of all these family members. I know in that room, some, some don't know Christ, some, some, some have maybe even never heard this. And I felt the, the weight of that, the urgency that Paul's talking about here. I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm laying it out there. And the people that were there can attest. Like, I just laid it out there, laid out the gospel and said, listen, you, th this is the reality that each one of us has to face and has to make a decision what they're gonna do with the free gift of Jesus Christ. My call and my prayer is a same sense of urgency. We've had these workers here working for the last couple months on this building project and tons of guys in, in and out. And so I decided this last week, I was like, all right, we're gonna have a big thank you lunch for them. You can pray for this. It's on Wednesday this week. A big thank you lunch for all these guys to say thanks. And, uh, and then in the lunch, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna share the gospel with all of them. And it's gonna be awesome. So you can pray for that. That's gonna happen this, this Wednesday. And because why? Because I'm like, how sad if we had this many people here on our campus for, for months and months and they never got to hear the thing that we believe transforms and changes somebody. And so that, that, that sense of urgency I call us all to and, and, and charge us towards. And the reason I bring that up in this context is because what he's pointing out is he's saying, listen, all of these things that can be a distraction of having an impact, it's like don't, don't let them, man. You gotta stay, keep your eye on the prize. That's what he charges them to, and singleness can help with that. Singleness allows a lot of freedom for risk that a lot of times those of us that are married are just like, man, it's hard. I, I feel this t tension between, I, I wanna be there, to, I wanna be there for my, my wife and for my kids. I don't wanna neglect that responsibility. Well, guess what? When you don't have that tension, it creates, it creates a lot of freedom for impact. My hope and prayer is that that person, maybe that's in this, this season of singleness, no matter how long it is, it's just like, man, I'm gonna just maximize this time. Enjoy it, enjoy the freedom. It's just, uh, no, nobody's checking in on me. Nobody's saying, you can't do this. You have to be back here. The kids have volleyball at six. No, no, you know what I mean? Nobody's saying these things. There's freedom in that. So he's pointing to that, that, that aspect of singleness. Other thing that I'd suggest in verse 32 that he points to, singleness can also focus our devotion on Christ. So not just serving him and having an impact, but actually a relationship with him. Verse 32 says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. 
The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests, listen to those words, interests are divided. The unmarried and betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, and that's important to understand. He's not trying to impose something. He says, but to promote good order, and listen to these words, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. That's really, if we're honest with ourselves, the end game in all of us, for us to be okay with a relationship with him. You think about singleness and marriage, both portray the gospel message if you think about it. How often in scripture you think about how awesome the, the picture of marriage is. Think about the, what marriage pictures, the idea of Christ is the groom and the church is what? Bride, nice, nice. Audience participation, I like that. The, uh, the, and it's a beautiful picture. Marriage is that. And don't hear me today saying anything negative about marriage. I'm just painting both sides of the picture here. The gospel is pointed to, towards that. But if you think about it, that's forecasting what's to come. Singleness is a picture of the end goal. You and Christ. You and Christ. Singleness is a picture of ultimately how eternity is going to be spent. You and a community of believers and Christ. That's it. You see in Matthew twenty two thirty, Jesus is real clear with us. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. I hate to break this to people, but the marriage deal isn't part of it. It's not part of eternity. So you're, if you're a Christ follower, you're headed to the next billions of years, billions, let that sink in, like doing the single deal. You're like, so, so, so the, the single thing is the end piece that the gospel points to, not in a like, woohoo, single time. No, but the, the point being is like, man, or he's everything. He's all of it. And the, the thing that I think is cool, though, is that the depth of relationship within the body of Christ, other believers with each other, hanging out and, and, and with the Lord, it's all one and, and all in perfect unity. It's gonna be a, a, an amazing thing. But singleness is also a portrait of the gospel and what's to come. That's why Paul points in verse 34, he says the key to this section, his interests are divided. You see, if we're not careful, our interests can, can be divided by this, this idea because the end goal, secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So I know this is a stretch. I wanna to talk to the group in the front here for a second. So this is a stretch. So I was thinking this week about agape. So this might be a stretch. Agape, if you don't know this, is our high school choir. It's a pretty cool thing, very unique to our church. I don't know any other church that has something called agape. Uh, maybe, yeah. But anyway, so, so I was thinking about it. I was like, well, that's a group of single Christ followers hanging out in community, singing God's praise, absent maybe for the most part of relationships, maybe a couple snuck in there. But I was like, isn't that a picture of heaven, right? Do you like that one? So agape, singles hanging out with God as a priority, singing his praises, there you go. There's the, there's the end game. So maybe that was a stretch, but that's the way my mind was turning this week of how singleness is a portrait or a picture 
of the gospel where he becomes our all in all. In conclusion, couple different thoughts. First, for the single person, couple different things, understanding that the single person, you are not a second class citizen. You are a beloved child of God just as valuable as anybody that has said an I do. There's no change in your worth, just understanding that the choice, please, the charge for this, and back to the 50-50 or percent chance of a plane going down, don't settle for something just to change your relational status for the single person. Also, understanding to maximize this time, enjoy the freedom, be content as Paul calls us to in this season, whether it's extended or forever. Just be like, all right, this is great. Trusting in the sovereignty of God that God knows you and has your best plan in mind. You're not like, oh shoot, somehow I got off of God's, God's plan, God's track here. Like, no, he's still reigning over your singleness. For the marrieds, my encouragement, I was reading an article this week that somebody had compiled what, uh, tons of singles and their perspective and, and what they wish they'd hear from the, the, the married folks in their, their world. This is, a, this is a challenge for us. How, the first thing that was mentioned was the idea of just validating singles for who they are, not their relational status. Being okay with that, being okay with, with engaging with them. And the, the, the second thing with that was this that was pointed towards, I thought this was interesting, was to invite them in. Not making it like a junior high dance where you got the marrieds on this side and the, the singles on this side, but engaging. That's the way the church is to look. A beautiful picture of actually the bride of Christ. So invite them in. And then I like this, this charge to us, is to engage with them on things other than the topic of singleness. So as you engage with folks that are single, it's not just like, oh, so are you dating anybody? Have you met somebody? You're like, okay, we can talk about other things other than that. A few charges or encouragement. My hope and my prayer in this message and in Paul's words to us, we have a little bit clearer picture of God's design, his plan, that he's like, man, it's great either way. One's a forecast of, of, of the marriage that's to come, of the, the, the bride and the, the groom, but one's a picture of the ultimate end goal. Like, it's not one citizen, not another. It's all under the same umbrella. I praise God for his clear picture of singleness. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this word this morning and forgive us for neglecting this topic and not talking about it enough. God, I just thank you for the way that you've designed things, that you're the perfect orchestrator, that you're shaping us and molding us into your likeness, whether we're uh, independent of our status relationally. Pray that this would be for both of those are married and are single, maybe a charge that maybe we've elevated a spouse or a potential spouse as something that would maybe fix things that only you can fix. Maybe even an idol. Pray that you'd bring yourself back in our lives, reign over us as the one central focus of our lives, God. That's our desire. We know, we, we hear this in, in a message that that should be it, God, move us towards that reality through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
way to wrap up this service. Christ is enough for me. Whether I'm married, whether I'm single, doesn't matter. He's the one that will satisfy. Let's live in that this week. Amen? Have a great week. God bless you.